Good morning, St. Paul and the neighborhood and communities. <laughs> this is your unbougie foodie, Wesley Wright, bringing you, as always, food in your local neighborhood, St. Paul surrounding areas, and other areas of your community. So thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I have a very special guest in the booth today, <laughs> or at the station, James Leckitz. Uh, fellow foodie, previous guest, but he's back. <laughs> Thank you, James, for being here. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yay. Um, James is actually going to be here, and he's going to be talking about uh, soup, stews, and some broths that you really just have to have during this wintry season. Mm-hmm. But first and foremost, um, I you know I want you to get reintroduced to you know the audience and so forth. So tell us what you've been up to, because I know that, what, it's been at least, what, Two months, maybe two or three months since we've since you've been in, and yeah. you know, I know that you've been busy. We all have always busy, so. yeah, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell us. Yeah, so um, I work as an artist around the Twin Cities, mostly with Stages Theater Company, where I'm on staff. Um, but this holiday season, I just did a show that was our third year going at the James J. Hill House in their holiday celebration. Nice. Yeah, it's great. It's and, a beautiful um, place. Craig Johnson's the director, and we created the show like, three years ago about the history of Victorian carols. Um, and it's this hour-long piece, four singers, um, and it goes through the history of caroling and how, um, you know, it starts in the Elizabethan magical world, these pieces. And then it goes to the Victorian carols that we all know, like Jingle Bells and O Holy Night. Then there's a really cool section of songs that have been lost to the test of time, okay. these Victorian songs. And they're <laughs> wonderful little gems of music. Then we go into my favorite part of the show, which is like Music Hall Christmas. Okay. Which are these wonderful vaudeville songs. Oh. Uh, and they're story songs, right? There's this wonderful one about this guy who doesn't want to have anything for Christmas except for a turkey dinner. <laughs> <laughs> another great one about... It's about food. <laughs> it's about food, exactly. And another song, great song about, does Santa Claus sleep with his whiskers over or under the sheets? Oh, God. Yeah, it's this hilarious. <laughs> and then it ends with this big mashup of songs that bring us to the 20th century. Oh. Nice. It's like it starts with Mariah Carey's, you know, All for Christmas is You, and ends with a Hallelujah chorus. Oh, cool. So it's great. And we've been doing that for a long time, and that closed um, the weekend before the holiday. Oh, okay. And then starting tomorrow, mm. if any listeners have any kids ages 9 to 17 who are interested in dancing and singing, um, auditions for my new musical, Sages Theater Company, start to, um, on the 9th, Monday. Very nice. Velvet Very Rabbit. nice. Cool, yep, cool, So cool. we start auditioning for that um, Monday and Tuesday. Couple what age is it again? Because I have somebody in mind that... Oh, might yeah. be interested. Um, 9 to 17. 9 to 17. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. I'll keep that in mind. And it's Velveteen Rabbit, and we're doing it in a really fun aesthetic. We're te- te- I'm taking the show as an old 1930s radio show. Okay. So there's a character who's listening to the radio story of the Velveteen Rabbit. Okay. So we have this character there. We have the whole like fully radio stage happening. Nice. And then the whole story of the Velveteen Rabbit is seen through the boy's imagination. Okay. And so it's this wonderful musical it's a very dance inspired a lot of dance numbers telling the story some great commercial jingles from the, the time period that we've reworked the playwright and I reworked and then just you know musical theater standards inside of it so cool yeah. so cool you know in our conversations um, most recently and you know we got together and was just chatting about you know coming back on the show you mentioned something very interesting to me a project <laughs> that you want to do and you know you asked me about it too and I, you know, immediately I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> it's a harebrained scheme I have. I, don't worry. Hey, if you are able to do everything that you've been doing so far, <laughs> yes, I believe that this is going to happen. But please tell us what that is. Sure. Um, audience, roll your eyes if you want to. But I want us to be starting a, a new food blog. <laughs> a new food blog <laughs> called Charcuter What? Which charcuter is, What? Which is <laughs> all about what the heck is charcuterie. And so it's a three-part blog series. So there's one part that writing about what is charcuterie, a pate versus a terrine. What's the difference? Oh my god. Why do we have these things? And kind of exploring what charcuterie actually is. Right. Um, another section will be like, you know, me talking about making it. <laughs> Going about how do I make a pate. No, right. What's the, exactly. what's the start? Like how do you move salmon? I have no idea. You know what though? <laughs> I, I think I think it's going to be it will be awesome um, because there are quite, you know, a lot of times people want to do something at home that's very special you know what i mean and to hear or have something like that that will give them some type of instruction and everything is kind of like oh man i could do this at home let me just you know get these recipes or listen on to his blog or whatever and i could just i wouldn't have to go out we wouldn't have to go to a restaurant to actually have something so nice 
So this project is just like exciting. Now I already, I already said, I already told them. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. So yep. yeah. And, Tell and, us and more. here's here's the third section, which is the part I'm mostly excited about. Uh, and just a reason to go out and eat. On <laughs> <laughs> um, the third part, we'll be going around and experiencing charcuterie platters in the Twin Cities. Oh my gosh! Right, and so that James. will be coming, meeting with um, a foodie. Yes. So me and a foodie, and maybe maybe they can bring a friend, maybe and we go foodie. maybe the unbougie <laughs> foodie. We'll be going out and experiencing charcuterie in town. We'll be sitting down, having the platter, and the goal is to eat everything. Oh wow! Okay. You know, eating eating tongue if it's there, so moose meat, whatever whatever is got. We have to try everything. Hey. I'm your guy. I'm, the, I'm not. I'm not kind of like self promoting, but I am self promoting. I'm like, <laughs> right? I want to go. Yeah, and I, you know, I've never eaten tongue before. I've never had it. I've at no, all. Never, in no, in never. no way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, James, it's so tender. I'm like, how can it be tender? We use like tongue is such a used muscle, but you know, hey, whatever. Um, I'm. We're all about it. But then that part is so we're trying it. But then also with the guests speaking about what's your relationship with food. Oh my gosh! How yeah. do you come in? How does food? What is in, what part of it of your life is food? Also, like what do you do? Let's just talk. Let's like, you know just getting interesting people in the community. Exactly. Talking about telling their story, who they are, what, what do they do, what excites them. So I think it'd be a, it's going to be a really fun project. Oh my gosh! It just sounds exciting. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm sorry. I'm, I hope I could. Involved oh, in totally, a little totally. bit. <laughs> I know. I have um, the first three guests are planned for January, yeah, February, and March. Cool. You are one of them. Yay. Of course, we're talking about this. So, um, <laughs> listeners, be out. You know, when I get the blog actually running, I'll send you the link oh so my we gosh. can. That would we be can, wa- that would be awesome. on the on the, on the show. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh my goodness, I'm excited for you. I know when I when you mentioned it, I was like giddy. I was yeah. like, when is this going to happen, please? Right. Uh, so, and yes, like charcuterie is one of those things that people are often afraid of. I, admittedly, I am because you want to know what types of meats to put out, what right. type of cheese, what things can you offer in a charcuterie plate. Right. Uh, so it's like, does it have to just all be meat? Does it have to be a mixture of meat and cheese? What types of cheeses? What types of meats? Right. And that, what it, kind of fruit? Exactly. And nuts That's go true. along with it too. You know? Dates, grapes, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting a better understanding of how that works is Again, I think everyone that wants to do something exciting and different, they're going to appreciate it. So yeah. I, that blog is going to be, it's going to be fire. Fire. <laughs> it's going to be fire. really fun. It's going to be it's so much demystify fun. demystify the whole, the whole idea of what charcuterie is. Exactly. Which I think be great. And man, I, everyone's going to be, your other friends too are also going to be excited <laughs> about it too. Trust me. So don't worry. You're going to be busy. We've got to find some really great places that do charcuterie too. Um, gosh, I, I, I my mind is racing already and I'm quite sure that yours is, yeah, doing the same thing because you got to figure out some different places that you right. got to go to and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm excited for you. Yep. So congratulations on that. Thanks. <laughs> So b- before we get to your your um you know your se- your segment I'm going to say segment you know I make my guests try to feel special you know <laughs> this is your segment you know I want to talk about a place that I've gone to and it's a Mexican place that just recently opened it's called Parrito uh, Parrito is a, a Mexican uh, restaurant that is in St. Paul area and if you're not familiar with it, uh, it is located at 605 7th Street West. Uh, that's in St. Paul, um, zip code 55102. Again, 605 7th Street West, uh, St. Paul, uh, 55102. They're open today from 11 to 11 p.m. But more importantly, the food that they have there. Now, they, like I said, they just recently opened. They had a soft opening and then they had a you know grand opening. And a friend and I had an opportunity to go there for lunch one day, and I love the space. I love it was in, uh, and I'm not familiar with the history behind the Glockenspiel, but it was a German restaurant. I oh believe. yeah, um, they took over that space. Oh cool, remodeled on the inside, and they didn't really do it uh, like n- seriously knocking down walls or anything like that. They just simply modified the inside, left the w- wide open space um, that it had available um, and added certain features, um, you know, the st- uh, specific chandeliers and uh, different touches, um, Mexican touches, if you would, and artistry that's in there. So it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, it's got a great bar. It's even separate from that of the dining area. So you could still eat in the bar area, but then there's still a separate dining area that cool. you could go to. But the food, though, 
food was really awesome we i tried a few things um of course it was tacos <laughs> was one of them um and for me I, I i don't know why it is but i always feel that i need to try the staples um of the talk of the tacos i mean standardly what i would normally get and maybe other friends would say oh these are the only ones that i would get so of course i tried carnitas um their carnitas had avocado uh, serrano peppers and onions um, there was barbacoa uh, I think barbacoa oftentimes um, it's a it's a dark rich savory meat um, out of the sauces that they use but for well with this likewise it was chipotle and I love chipotle yeah it's great uh, that smoky smokiness spicy. oh my yep, gosh so I mean good. added for me I added to like my chili and well sometimes my, my salsa but more so the chili where it that fla- that aroma and add the added flavor at it has a little bit of a spice to it or yep. kick to it too or bite. But, but it's that, that deep back yes it's not like the upfront like no. my mm-hmm. on fire it's that nice back um, heat the last that last swallow or something yeah. like that is like mm-hmm. oh my god what was that taste it was amazing so you know this barbacoa very similar had chipotle and crispy shallots oh, uh, it was on point um, smelt smelt don't be afraid wait 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 smelt, smelt yes. in Mexican food yeah that was Whoa. what I was surprised. <laughs> I was, you know, and of course, you know, fish tacos. Everybody's like, you know, hey, Mexican, you know, tacos, you know, fish tacos. Well, this is a different version, but it's really, really good. So you're thinking, okay, what, well, you know, smelt is a smaller fish. It doesn't have maybe a little bit salty or overly salty or something. How are they going to prepare it? They prepared it. I think it was, uh, I want to say, it wasn't really deep fried. It was, it may have been pan fried, mm-hmm. but it wasn't overly over cooked or anything and then they prepared it with um brussels sprites and, uh, and a lamb uh, lamb lime aioli uh yeah yeah it's some awesome stuff i was i was that was one of the very first ones that i had out of all the three there were i had a salad too and i'll talk about that in a moment but that smelt it took me by surprise because i'm like okay what Mexican restaurant does not have a regular fish platter? I mean, a fish taco. And then here, it's like smelt. I was like, oh, this is going to be different. No, it was so good. So, so good. <laughs> so if anybody has been there, please, uh, if you'd like to leave a, um, you know some information on our Facebook page or make a comment, please feel free to do so. Um, I'll put uh, post pictures um, on Facebook um, so that you could see what I'm talking about. You know me. I love posting mouthwatering food. That's what I do. I'm a foodie. All foodies should. Um, but then there was, uh, you know, my friend had the chilaquiles. Um, chili, you're familiar with chilaquiles, right? Um, it ha- was braised beef and it had uh, mushrooms and crema and uh, a fried egg. Uh, <laughs> so good. So good. Very rich. Um I I don't really I don't have anything bad to say about this restaurant at all. Now, mind you, that's not what I do anyway. But I'm saying that in this instance, every bit of this food that we had was great. Um, admittedly, I am going to bring you foods that are exciting and that you really want to go to and that you're going to have a great experience at. Um, you know, I always feel I have to tell the audience that you know I'm not really a food critic that I'm going in to oh, try sure. to be negative or anything like that. Everyone has their opinions about types of foods and what how it makes them feel. Um, for me, I just like enjoying good food, so I'm going to talk about good food. <laughs> you know, uh, how do I say this without sounding bad? If the food isn't good, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I who wants? To, I think I want to kind of bring something uplifting, you know, to the audience. And if they're interested and if they hear me talking about food that just sounds delicious or even looks delicious, I'm going to encourage them to go rather than, you know, this place wasn't so good. The fish was oily. This was this way. This was that way. It's like, ugh, you know, and plus, I don't want to badmouth the, the restaurant, too. It's like if I'm not happy with it, I'm going to bring it to the attention of the owner. So keep that in mind, people, when you're out at a restaurant. If you're not happy with something, please let the owners know. And if then, you know, they're, they probably don't accommodate you or maybe apologize or something like that. That's different. Then if you feel that, hey, you want to tell your friends, hey, you know, I wouldn't really go to that place. That's understandable. But at least let management know so that they're, you know, familiar. Maybe they can make whatever necessary improvement. 
Anyway, that was a long tirade. <laughs> but that chili quiles, those chili quiles were awesome. They were, and I've never had them um, with the fried egg. So, just so you all know, James kind of raised his eyebrows like, "What a fried egg?" Might have made a face. Yeah, <laughs> too funny. Um, the last, which you know, I have got. I've lived in Mexico for two years, or two and a half years. Um, so I remember going to when on Revolution. Um, you know, major street uh, or boulevard, I'll say, in Tijuana specifically, um, there is a restaurant called Victor's. And I remember Victor's, they make their Caesar salad, their entire Caesar salad there at your table. So nothing is like pre made and brought out, or the dressing is poured over it, and then you get your salad. No, they bring a, a regular. Uh, uncracked egg everything is just you know they bring out this rolling tray everything Everything. nice and you know the guy is just uh you know i'll say the food artist (laughs) (laughs) uplifting uplifting uh the food artist he is just scrambling you know the the eggs or whipping the eggs and uh mixing in the the anchovies and then the um i think it uh, they use uh creme oh gosh what is it Creme fresh, yes, um, and then there's some parmesan and you know salt, pepper, and you're seeing all these things, all these ingredients being mixed together, and then finally, you know, he has like seven or eight uh, lettuce leaves, uh, romaine lettuce leaves that he's chopped up and then placed in the bowl and then poured it over it, and all you get is this aroma of the 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 anchovies and the cheese and everything just mixed in together and then of course they give you fresh cracked black pepper over it and you're like what next can you do to me (laughs) you know (laughs) this salad uh that they offered at um at parrito was very similar to that they didn't do it you know table side but it was blended. The uh, Caesar dressing was just blended so smooth. There was no, you know, it kind of be lumps, which I don't mind that either because it gives it that texture and so forth. But the dressing was just the right amount of consistency. And they uh, shaved uh, Parmesan um, sprinkles on top. It was just, it was off ch- the charts. Really, it was. And so, again, I re- really highly recommend this place. Um, I will say that. As a new place and with any restaurant, I think um, their staff probably needs to just build a little bit more um, because and that's not a bad thing because, you know, when you you want to see what type of clientele you're going to actually get before you full on, you know, everyone, you know, hands on deck and 20, 50 people or something like that sitting there. But it was busy um, and they had one bartender. Now, mind you, I think we probably went probably about 11:30 or 12 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that um so it was going to pick up the you know uh clientele was going to be more people are hey this is a new place we've been hearing about it we want to go um it was a little slow but i think that that comes in time um just improvement sure. um they'll i'm quite sure that they have seen you know where they need to you know, maybe add some more staff or something like that and maybe even realize that okay during the hours of 11 to 2 you know it's gonna be crazy we need to double our staff or something like that so but uh that's taking nothing away from pajarito and the restaurant itself the owners are doing an awesome job on what they're presenting as well as the space that they've created um please make sure you visit once again that address is 605 7th street west uh, and that's in St. Paul, Minnesota, 55102. Uh, if you want to call them, uh, I don't recall that they take any reservations. But if you want to just kind of like check and see, <laughs> you can. You can. Uh, their telephone number is 651-340-9545. Um, that's 651-340-9545. And if you want to check out their menu online, go to Parjarito. Uh, stp.com and that's p-a-j-a-r-i-t-o stp.com um, uh, gives you a, a full list of their menus um, you'll see that all the tacos are ten are eight dollars um, I think the highest price item on there that was something interesting I want to mention about them they offered the highest price item is a bald tip steak do you know what a bald no. tip steak you know I didn't know either but 
I looked it up and it's it's a boneless three pound muscle that's found at the bottom part of a, a beef sirloin butt. Okay. So, you know, it's I guess they call it a ball tip because of the fact that when it's separated, it looks like just a big ball. <laughs> but, you know, you know, oftentimes on menus and again, I was trying to figure out where I don't remember ever seeing this on any type of menus. They off, they refer to it as sirloin steak. And I didn't know that. So I I thought it was interesting and I thought I would bring that out. So anyway. <laughs> I okay. want, one thing to go on about Mexican food being made at your table. Right. So I was just in Orlando oh, last cool. week. Oh, cool. And there, um, my friend Sarah and I went because we Harry Potter World is our, is our jam. Right. And so we went there just for a couple of days. And there's this wonderful Mexican restaurant in the City Walk. Okay. Um, its name, it escapes me. Okay. But um, guacamole. Love guacamole. And there was, they make it at your table. And one surprising ingredient they put in it oh, wow. was green olives. Really? Yeah, for the salt. Wait. In guacamole. So you have the mm. normal, you have the avocados, you have the onions, you have the cilantro, the tomato, all the normal lime juice. Mm-hmm. And then they added a little bit of green olives. It was such a surprising flavor. But how did, I mean, it was really it good? It was great. Or? Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that, everybody makes guacamole. Try some green olive in it. There you go. Chopped up nice and fine. Hmm. Without having to add really much, a whole lot of salt. I mean, nope, because using... it's the olive. Oh, it takes care of that. That's cool. That's way cool. Your segment. Your <sighs> segment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about this because, uh, you know, like I said, police people, um, he is totally prepared and ready to give you a recipe, instructions, whatever, in reference to these uh, stews, soups, broths wonderfulness that he's about to provide so please make sure you, I, I'm not kidding you when I say grab a pen and paper <laughs> I might have to pick his brain afterwards so I could probably get some more of this stuff but anyway please what's your first one that you want to talk sure, about I'm going to talk about two different soups and two different stews cool 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 I'll start with stews because they're more in depth yes um, please and this is a perfect season for making soups and stews we want something that clings to your ribs you know that old you know the grandpa saying oh, cling to your ribs right and it just you keeps know, you warm on the inside mis- min- mis- oh, never mind I was not going I was going to mess that up. Minnesota is during the winter time. I think of it as a meat and potatoes type of season where you want to start like I need something hearty because if I got to live through how I'm going to live through this coldness. Yeah, I need something that's going to yeah toughen me up a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. So this first stew um, is a it's a, a basic red wine stew. Oh, gosh. All right. Already in, already yep. in, and and both of these stews use alcohol in the braising process Yay. because I think it's really to get the meat the right consistency you need to have that sugar breakdown. Yes, with the alcohol. So um, the first one is this basic red wine stew with a little flare at the end, which is the best part about nice. it. Um, so first you take your you know your lardons, which is you can just use bacon. You know, nice. don't, don't want to go get you know make lardons from like the butcher. You can just use bacon. Use like five or six strips of bacon and chop it up nice and small and fry that up okay. in your pan. Can you use pork belly? Oh, totally, <laughs> totally use pork belly. Thank you, but but make sure it's really it's no, small the, little like matchsticks, yes, right? Yes, definitely. Make sure it's that little matchstick. Yes, and brown it up in yes. your pan. I use my Dutch oven, like nice. my La Crusade Dutch oven for yes. my stews. So you know, plop it in there when it's crispy and the grease is in there. Take out the bacon bits. Exactly. Now, here comes, the I think, one of the most important parts that people skip about stews. Okay. And it's browning the meat. It's really important to brown the meat stew first. meat first. Of course. And so the way to properly brown a brown stew meat is you have to dry it. I, you know, I've, learned, I've learned that. Go ahead. You need to dry it. So it, is it tedious and boring? Totally. But it makes all the difference. So take some paper towel and t- two or three pat pieces, it. pat it down in your nice. hands, make, okay. make it up and dry it. Because what it does, it takes off the just the, the moisture from being in your fridge. It takes it off. And when you um, brown it, then you get that crispy caramelized outside. And man, y'all don't, if y'all haven't, I'm quite sure there's so many cooks out there or whatever. They know what he's talking about when it comes to that, those brown, the brown edges and crispy yeah. pieces on the outside. Ugh. The only way to do that is if you dry your meat. Yes. And when you're browning it, this is going to sound a little silly too. Do not crowd your pan. I've learned that. Yeah, just, because meat, when it's crowded and everything like that, they sweat. They start they sweat totally do. Never. And, and then, then you have the thick liquid. It, yes. And you don't want that. So nope. take maybe four or five pieces at a time and brown it. Just, you know, maybe like 10 seconds each side because on a high heat with that grease. Okay. So it browns and just flip them with tongs. Flip that meat. When it's done, take them out and keep on doing that process. I like to use about two and a half to three pounds of um, beef okay. when it makes stew. So it takes a while. It takes a while to do that, but it's totally worth it. Cool. Once it's all brown, put it back in your pan, 
toss in maybe a tablespoon of flour, shake it around, and then put it in the oven on high heat because that flour will crisp on the outside. Oh my gosh. And it, it, it just adds the crispiness of the beef. And it helps solidify the flavor and the juices on the inside. Okay, cool. So that's that part is done. When the meat's all in there, add maybe three cups of red wine. Oh, man. And here's is my, there any particular type of wine that this you is, I was going to bring it in. Okay. Um, I don't know. <laughs> the wine I use when I cook is the wine I like to drink. Hey, because when you want to taste that, that flavor, extra flavor in the meat or everything in the stew itself, you're going to be reminded. It's like, oh, yep. my goodness, this wine. Yep. Or, or, okay, not the wine itself, but so much that, oh, because it's already a wine that you like to drink and to have it in the meat and the other vegetables and so forth, you're already going to enjoy it even more yep. so. Yep. And with this one, um, it's a Julia Child recipe. And she recommends a, a Beaujolais. Oh, okay. For this one particular, because you're going to add some saltiness at the end. Nice. And the Beaujolais is kind of a nice balance. It's a little sweeter, so it's going to balance out those flavors. Nice. But, you know, whatever you like to drink, use it. I would not recommend using, like, you know, cooking wine. No. Mm-mm. I would not recommend. Use a wine that you like to drink. Red wine that you like to drink. I would just suggest that. Uh, we, I, I'm an apothecary type of person, so people will know what I'm talking about. Now that I know, I'm sorry. That's a little. That it's a wine that's inexpensive for those of us that are, you know, not on the higher end portion of financial means. <laughs> but uh, no, I I totally understand. I because I enjoy you know uh, a Cabernet, a uh, Sauvignon Blanc, yeah. So, yep, so you just add that wine in. And then uh, here's my thing about herbs as well with stews. If you want to use fresh herbs, mm. great. Do it at the end. Oh, really? Yeah. If you want to use dry herbs, which I would suggest in stews, because the dry herbs, they they um, rehydrate as you're cooking them. And then the flavors release. But, but with, I think, uh, I'm sorry, I interrupt. But oh, no yeah, I, there was a, a, a chef that said that they... That's when they release their flavors and their aromas and everything when they when heat hits them yep. and when they're in a stew. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And when you use fresh ones, that that process happens right away and the uh, flavor can be lost. Uh, so if you want to use fresh ones, go ahead at the very end. You know, use a dry, dry herbs. And I would recommend for this one just get you know a really nice, um, um, Provence blend. Okay. Right. Uh, herb, herb de Provence. So it's like it's oregano, it's basil, um, lavender. Oh. Savory thyme. Wow. Sometimes they have like dehydrated onions or garlic in it, but I would suggest just use that because it has all the great flavors that you want. Instead of like having a bajillion different jars in your in your cupboard, grab some an herb de Provence. Where, it's great. Where can you get that? Or I mean, just so any? here is I have this amazing jar of it from Trader Joe's. Oh man, Trader Joe's. Yeah, okay. Who knew? But you know, also Penzi's has a really great one. Oh, cool. Penzi's has a great um, herb de Provence. Nice. And the thing I like about Penzi's is that their lavender isn't overpowering. Okay. Because lavender can be. It can really hit you. It can hit you. Vibrant. And yeah. Like, okay, this is a little bit too much. Just a little pinch of yep. it something. But you know, Penzi's is great. Also, like, you could, Target has. Really? Yeah, herb de Provence. It's kind of becoming okay. a more mainstream. Like, you know, like Italian spice blend. Nice. The finer right next to Okay. You know, it's just a, a great combination of spices. So, you know, put like a teaspoon of that. In your stew, and cool. so you have the wine, you have the beef. The, put the bacon back in as well. Okay. Put your herbs. Add a little bit of beef stock. Oh. So you have the wine and the beef stock. That it just pairs nicely. So like a cup or two. So you have three cups of wine and maybe a cup of beef stock. Cool. Is there ever a time uh, that you, when you're cooking beef, that you add chicken stock, or you kind of want to stick with exactly what you're doing? I think stick okay, with the meat good. that you're doing. I, I've never used chicken stock. Okay. You know they. They're very similar in right. flavor, but I just, you know, I'm using beef. I'm going to use beef stock. Understood. Yep. So you have that, and then you add tomato paste. Oh, okay. Tomato paste. You think it's like, why, why is it super salty? It's, it, it is, but it adds a nice richness to the, okay. to the sauce. And then you're going to braise that for about a good three hours. Oh, wow. A good three hours. Oh, and braising is slow cooking in liquid. Essentially, uh, we're not poaching. We're not poaching it. We're braising, so it's, it takes a long time to braise, like three hours. Okay. And the alcohol will break down Everything. in the wine, oh. and the sugars, and even in the beef stock too. The natural sugar in beef stock will just break down, and it'll make your meat so tender. Oh my goodness! So tender. Oh my goodness. Okay. Now here's a surprise on the end of this one. This is um because France is Mediterranean country. Yes. You know the southern part of France is Mediterranean. 
and it has a Mediterranean flair at the end. Okay. Like your last half hour. So we we'll cook your you know, braise for about three hours, and then the last half hour. So you have, you know, after three hours, another half hour of just cooking. Add potatoes. Okay. You know, chop them up small, so like, you know, like in quarters of them, you know, little baby potatoes, quarter them. Then add olives, black olives. Really? And capers. Ah. It adds this wonderful brininess to your stew and a Mediterranean and flavor to it. Almost it, it, uh, not even having it tasted it, or I don't know if you've made it for us before, but it almost it would seem like it add a little bit of an earthiness um, to totally it. It really does. Oh, my gosh. And here's the secret with cooking with olives. Because olives, you know, they're, they're brined in that uh, uh, um, Kalamata olives. Yes. That's what I use. They're brined in that red wine vinegar. It's super salty, super oily. Great. Take about, a, you know, a half a cup or maybe a, as much as you want. Because if you like olives, great. Add more. Right. Um, but then drain them, chop them up, then boil it first in water. Okay. And all that saltiness, a lot of it will leave. You still have the, the great taste of the olive, but that, that super saltiness, which will overpower your stew, will be gone. Wow. Okay. So boil it for like, you know, just, it's like, um, as soon as the water is boiling, take them off. You just drain them and then put those olives and then capers. Wow. And it is delightful. Wow. 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 And it's a, it's a, it's a different twist on just a stew, your traditional like wine stew. It's just a nice twist, adding those olives and capers at the end. Cool. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. Um, if you're not out there taking notes out there, people, <laughs> you better be, please. Uh, I will. I'm going to beg and ask James. <laughs> James, please. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to talk a little bit further. And I'm going to get this recipe uh, if he's willing to share oh, it. Oh, totally. And uh, I'm going to put it on my Facebook page. Um, you're going to find it under notes. Um, so definitely look out for it. I'll make a note of it so that you're aware of it. What's the next one? So it's another beef stew. Cool. But we're not using wine this time. Okay. We're using beer. Okay. Right? So you do the same. Um, Any type of beer or. Well, let me get to, let me get oh to boy. that. Oh, okay. so we, so we I always <laughs> ask these questions as crazy because I'm always excited to try to find out which, what's the next step, whatever, because so I'm you, there. You start out with the same process, you know, the lardens, the bacon, you know, yeah. cooking it up, then browning the meat, adding a little bit of flour, crisping it up in the oven. Start with that process. And the vegetable in this one is onions. Uh, and I mean, it's not just one onion. We're like talking about Three to four pounds of onions. Oh, it is a lot. And what type of what type of? And see, I don't know enough about onions to like okay. know like red ones are great for this, white ones, and then the yellow ones. I have no idea. So what I usually do is like I have two red ones. Nice. I do a white and a yellow. That's perfect. Right. Perfect. I know the like, medley. <laughs> I know uh, like red onions for like you know if you want to um, caramelize them. Yes. You perfect. use those, great. Mm-hmm. And so you have that deep richness of caramelization when you cook it. And then I feel like the white kind of just like is a higher level of yeah. taste. Mm-hmm. And then yellow is kind of nice in the middle. Yeah. So you have this different flavor, and you can dice them. I usually just cut the onion in half. Right. And I have long strips of it then. So nice. you just cut it in half and then just slice it up. Nice. So you have nice big chunks of onion. And um, they are going to wilt a lot when you cook it. And then you add the beer. Now, the recipe usually calls for like a lager. So okay. it's like, you know, just a basic, a basic beer. Okay. Nothing fancy. However, mm. I tried making this with a stout. Oh. Oh. Right? The, I could see the richness and everything. Yes. That deep... Oh, okay, yeah, go and ahead. Just a basic oatmeal stout. Like I, I don't really drink beer. I don't really like the flavor of right. beer. Um, but when you cook it, put that, it in some that hop, the, the hops kind of evaporates out. Right. So you're left with this great beer flavor, and the stout caramelizes so well with the onions. And, and see, I've never cooked with beer before. And that point that you just said, I think because you know lagers and so forth, especially sometimes the pale ales and the various types. That hoppiness, I'm like, I can't get past it. Right. But cooking it off, just like with wine or any other type of like alcoholic beverages, we're talking about food here, people. Don't we're not, we're not talking about cocktails or anything. <laughs> we're talking about food, cooking. Yeah. Anyway, but cooking it off, I never realized that like with beer, that hoppiness would probably yeah. go away or it's, at it's least like dissipates. Re- you're reducing it, so like it's a reduction sauce. Wow. The same flavors, like you keep the the flavor of it, it just intensifies. Wow. Right? So the deep richness is great. This you could probably also use like a great cider in this too to add some sweetness. That's me. Right? And you know, like social cider works. I'll give them a plug because I love, yes. I love their ciders right now. How can we have never gone? Sorry, I'm, oh, I'm switching gears earlier. They have this great new one I saw at the store, a cranberry one. Yes. Oh my. So have wonderful. you had it before? Yeah, yeah. it's so great. I never had it from tap, only from a can. Yep. But um, you know, even using those because they're kind of like they're more of a beery cider. Exactly. That might be great to have those overtones of that sweetness of the apple. Yes. You know, to add that in, and it's like a pint. Wow. So just a pint of that beer in there, in. and again, you let it braise for wow hours. 
you know, ours. And it's just the richness of the onions. It, so it gets really goopy. And that meat's so tender. Oh. And it, it is stew season, everybody. It's stew season. My it, favorite season of the year. Exactly. Stews. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> See, it, I'm telling you, that part, I learned something new. I mean, I, I definitely knew about cooking with wine. and, and But the, the beer part, I mean, okay, there's I've seen recipes out there, you know, cooking your chicken with beer or something like that you know but this is like a different level for me because now i feel excited to go out and be like okay there's a reason why i'm going to go get a lager or something because i'm about to have uh you know beef stew and yeah we're gonna do this up (laughs) and that that talking about when you cook it like if you don't cook it long enough it will taste the the liquid the Mm -hmm. beer will taste what it's called raw okay and that's like Bring it from the can. If it tastes like the can you're drinking from, right. that's what's considered raw. Same with wine. Okay. If you taste like the wine you're drinking ah, normally, yes, yes, yes. cook it longer. Wow. Let it cook, and it will reduce even more so that rawness of the the flavor of the liquor or the, okay. the booze will go away. Nice. So that is, is raw versus reduced. Oh, my gosh. I'm, uh, mouth-watering. Mouth-watering. <laughs> Let's get to these other two. Let's get to the soups. Let's yes, get to the soups. please. So this first soup I'm going to talk about is my grandma's recipe. Okay. Grandma's recipe of turkey soup. And um, my dad's side of the family comes from Eastern Europe. Croatia is where my family is from. And the, the garlic is not really used. Okay. Which is weird for uh, us as Westerners. Any type of soup or something. Right? Yeah. And so this one is turkey-based. So it's we just had the holidays. Thanksgiving just happened. You know, Christmas holiday happened. Some of you might have a leftover turkey carcass hanging out in your freezer. I do. <laughs> I do. And I also have my ham, my ham bone. Right? Okay. My family just knows, give James the carcass at the hey. end of the night. He's going to make some soup. Stock or something. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so it's, I um, mean, take the turkey and just cover it with water. Cover it with water. Add a couple of bay leaves. Okay. Um, you know, oregano or basil, thyme, just only one of herb. Okay. Always dry. So like add oregano, add basil or thyme, but just like a teaspoon of one of them. I okay. like thyme because thyme is like my favorite herb for soup. Celery, mm-hmm. carrots, just dice them up, throw them in. A whole onion, just you know, take off the skin, Trinity. plop it in. Boom, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the fun, exciting part is rutabaggy. Ooh. No, rutabaggy, it, it's a root vegetable. It's, you know, root vegetables, potatoes, carrots, those are, but rutabaggy has this earthy richness to it. Is, can rutabaggy, can rutabaggy normally, is it normally used in a stew or soups or I've, something I've like no that? I have no idea. Or? I have okay. no idea. Because I, I, you know, you see a vegetable out there and you're like, okay, I know probably of one way to do this, but all the other way, or, you know, if there are other ways, not familiar with it or whatnot. So, okay, cool. Add a rutabaggy. And it just, it's it's kind of like in between a potato and a parsnip. Okay. The flavor of rutabaggy. And they're a little orange. Kind of a peppery taste a little bit. Okay. And it's great. So add those and you let it, you know, bring it up to boil, Mm -hmm. turn it down to simmer, and you simmer it for about three to four hours. Okay. And it's really important. Oop, I forgot the tomatoes. Uh Uh-oh. Add a can of tomatoes. Or if you want to, you know, be all fancy and create your own tomato juice, add that in there too. Okay. So you And you stock that for, you know, three to four hours. And it's important to stock it. Okay. So and what's the difference between stocking and braising? Yes. Stocking is – so when you stock, you have the carcass of the animal. Right? Okay. So you have the turkey carcass. Yes. And the, when you stock it and make that stock, it is the bone marrow that is being released, which is the flavor okay. of the, the – you know, it's the flavor that's being – that's melting down into the, the, the liquid okay. to create that flavor. Okay. And so that's what you would do stock. And you, an hour is not enough time. Oh. It's like, remember that commercial, like, set it and forget it? Right. Yep, set it and forget it. <laughs> do wow, laundry, okay. watch a movie, you oh. know, go on a run. Okay. And have that cook for, you know, three to four hours. It's going right. to reduce the liquid down by a lot as well. When it's done, take everything out. Okay. My grandma always had, it was just, when we had the soup, it was just soup noodles. Okay. All the vegetables, you can take them out. I don't. I love my I vegetables. I love the vegetables. I know. I'm like, right? I need to have them. Yep. Take out, of course, take out the turkey. Of rum. course. <laughs> there's no meat in it. So hopefully, like, um, you can add meat if, you, if it's left over in there. Great. I don't like having, I just don't like turkey. <laughs> I don't. But turkey really? stock is great. Okay. But, like, turkey, turkey meat, it's just, maybe my family's never cooks it right. I just I don't like turkey. Oh, okay. Um, That's surprising. I know. Mm-hmm. You're more of a beef person, I, I think. Maybe beef and chicken. Beef, beef and pork. Okay. Beef and pork are my meats. But, um, you know, take out the take out the carcass, lay it out, you know, and then if you want to put the vegetables back in, go ahead. They, they should be a little mushy because they cook for a while, but they should still keep their shape. Okay. Then we add the noodles. And I make my noodles for the soup. Yes, I saw that. Yep. And so here's, here's just a basic noodle recipe. So it is a cup of flour. Okay. Two eggs. 
tablespoon of water. Cool. And some salt. And you can use a rolling pin to roll it out. It is this this dough. You're like, this is not enough liquid for the flour. It, it is. Mm. You have to work it. Okay. You do have to work it and stir it around. You can use your hands, use a wooden spoon, whatever. But it does eventually become a dough. Okay. Then put you know flour out your, your surface. You can use a rolling pin if you want to. If you have a pasta roller, it's better because you're, um, the pasta. This man's a cook, so he's got a pasta <laughs> maker or pasta roller. So, yeah. Yep. And if I'm you, jealous. You can use a rolling pin, but when you cook the pasta then, it just it's a thicker consistency of noodle. Okay. Because just the water will get inside the fibers and it'll just mm-hmm. plump up. But if you use a pasta roller, just roll it thin, you know, slice it up into long strips. You know, cut it in half, and then you, because it's fresh pasta, you you need to boil it to cook it. Of course, and but it's maybe like thirty seconds. Okay, yeah, and nice. that is, and it is the best salt and pepper, and it's just a basic, basic soup. Oh my but you, gosh. you stock it with the tomatoes. James, you don't know flavor. what you're doing to me, me and probably the audience out there. You know, they're I'm like, good lord, man. <laughs> and the I last... hope y'all been taking notes. I'm not kidding. I told you. I hope you have been writing some notes and everything. But don't worry, I am going to ask him to. You know, I will pass send that out. information because, uh, yeah, I will make them available to you all. Because, uh, and the show is going to be available too um, online as well. So make sure you look out for that as well. So, okay, I think we have time for that. Or last, you have more? I have one more. One more. Is okay, cool. Pocket? Yeah. And this is a vegetable soup for the vegetarians out there. Cool. And I'm actually making this today. Nice. Because it's it's soup season, everybody. Yes. <laughs> and this one, it just put water in your pot. Okay. And I have I have a big stock pot, so you just put water in it, and you start out with leeks. Okay, I love them. Right? It's, it, it's, it's in the onion family, uh, I think. They taste like it, but, you know, it's just a different flavor of is. the onion. Mm. So add, like, two leeks. Add, you know, a whole bunch of carrots. Chop them up. And you're, you can use potatoes, but I'm going to use rutabaggy. Okay. Because I like, I'm liking that right now. I'm not. I'm. Please correct me. Yeah. You say rutabaggy. Uh, is there a difference? Because like, I, I, I was afraid to kind of say, you know, I'm so used to saying rutabaga. So, and I wonder, I, I, I always say rutabaggy, okay. but I'm wondering if that's because, does the I make it plural? I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, so, okay. I'm not, I'm sure. not trying to correct you no, at all, because I, I, I don't know. I'm like, okay. Yeah, potato, potato? <laughs> yeah. I, maybe rutabaggy, rutabaggy. <laughs> okay. And you add that and you cook it, and you so stock it for a little bit. Uh, add some herbs. You know, probably, um, you know, thyme or like herbs Provence. Okay. Just pop it in there. And then as that's going, um, you can add noodles. I don't use noodles in the soup I use cabbage strips oh yeah I'm really into cabbage right now and I know it kind of sounds old man-ish any particular type Savoy oh nice right Savoy cabbage so good yep so chopped up in thin strips so that's like your replacement noodle yes they're gonna look the same they're Mm -hmm. not gonna feel the same but the cabbage adds a great flavor to your soup and here's the fun trick in the soup so it's vegetable stock add some saffron Right? Oh my gosh. It's going to have a fun aroma and it makes this golden color to the stock. Add some saffron to it. I never thought about that. I mean, well, it makes it seem like I've cooked this before or something. No. To add saffron into soup, I've done it with rice, with curry or something like that. Oh, wow. And saffron is the the stamen of a a flower. Yes. So, and it is one saffron strand is one stamen. So it's expensive. expensive, But you don't use a lot of it. No. Three or four strands. like a pinch. Really? Yep, three or four strands. And you can get um, saffron. You can, Penzi's has great stuff. They do. And multiple kinds. They do. I've got to figure out that. I don't know the difference between each kind. I, I don't know what they are, but you it's great. You just go there and grab I one. I just go grab And also Target. And the grocery section, they have saffron too. They do. And it's like nine bucks for a jar. Yep. So it is pricey, but totally worth it because it will last you yeah, for a while. For a while. So you add that saffron. And then um, kidney beans. Oh, okay. Kidney beans. And then also green beans. Interesting. Yep. And you can buy frozen green beans or just, you know, if you want to have fresh ones, chop them up. It doesn't matter. Okay. Because they, they, you cook it and that is your soup. Wow. So it's herby, vegetable and that fun saffron hit. Gosh. That part is, is the part that's got me. I'm like, how would I wonder what that's going to taste? I mean, I know it's going to taste great, but that aroma of saffron and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I like color. Uh, I'm all, right. all aesthetics mm-hmm. and everything. So to see a, a, vi- a vibrant color, you know, come out in like, this soup, I could only imagine what it would taste like as well. And when you serve it, you make a, a piso to serve it with. Okay. And a piso is tomato paste. Okay. Herbs, Parmesan cheese. Hmm. You whip it together. So it's this chunky paste, and then you just drizzle in a little, like, maybe a fruity olive oil. Okay. So add that in so it gets, like, into, like, a, like, a, it's not a paste anymore, but it's not a sauce. Right. <laughs> it's in between. No. And just a couple of dollops of that in your soup to add another level of flavor, and it, you're golden. Oh, Wow. 
dang dude mm-hmm. I, i'm telling you aside from the fact that you want to do charcuterie what <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're gonna have to kind of like come up with uh, a, another portion of that blog and everything and be like hey yeah here's a Here's a soup. Here's a soup. So, here's a stew or something like that. Because, yeah, all of those sound really exciting. Thank you so much for sharing that. No so I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much for being here. He's still going to be here. Don't worry. He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> the door is locked. <laughs> um, but, uh, man, I'm, I'm telling you, please, before, if it's not today, over the next few days or soon enough, sure. if I'll, you could. I, I'll just Snapchat yours. like picture the recipe too. oh my god that would be yeah. awesome that would be so perfect because then i could have an opportunity to share it to you know the listening audience as well so you know again if you are listening and interested in all those different those wonderful stews and soups that um james um talked about uh please make sure that you visit the unboozy foodie page and in the near future Charcuterie, what? <laughs> uh, but I'll make it available as soon as he provides it. Take your time, don't worry. No but I'm yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I appreciate any help that I might get and new and interesting foods that I'm able to share with um, the listening audience out there. Any of you that are listening to WEQY on 104.7, again, the voice of the east side. This is your Ambuji foodie friend and food, fellow foodie of the show. James Leckett, thank you so much, sir, for giving us that information. No problem. Um, before I close out the show, you know, I, I'm quite sure that you all, uh, the listening audience out there, they've been, you've heard throughout the city, even across the nation, actually, because they've been getting um, national uh, attention, if you would. There is a group called appetite for change and the video of there's some young people and i've talked about this perhaps a couple of weeks ago but it's a video of young people that they're you know they're doing a hip-hop video i suppose you could say they're just the artistry that they're doing it's either hip-hop rap whichever but it's still it's enjoyable i mean parents you don't have to worry about oh they're i don't know you know, it's, it's hip hop. I don't know what kind of these are children. So, just try to reassure you, this is all good, and it's for a good cause. But um, they've done this video uh, uh, called "Grow Food," and it's I, you know I do not have the sound track you know available, but I know that you've heard it. But I bring it to uh, mentioning it right now because uh, it, it, on a national scale. People are really taking notice here. They're located in Minnesota. But if you're familiar with the uh, San Francisco 49er um, uh, quarterback, uh, Colin Kaepernick, he made a promise uh, most recently. He has a website. It's Kaepernick. Seven.com, and and the mission of um, you know for Colin Kaepernick uh, his um, state mission statement is that his foundation is to fight oppression of all kinds globally through education and social activism. So he's a person, as you could see from you know him taking a knee. You know he has a personal he feels a personal responsibility to you know whatever way of expressing a way of either protest or not even protesting but expressing himself on how he feels about certain um, situations and you know whether it be through Black Lives Matter through his uh, actions of you know taking a knee and that itself has you know uh, gone I, I won't say viral but other individuals have you know felt the need to do the same thing and show you know they want something to be brought to you know, the nation's attention uh, or the world's attention. Well, for Ka- um, Colin, he mentioned that he wanted to do this process, um, this promise and set up the foundation. And I quote, um, I will donate one million plus well, one million dollars plus all the proceeds of my jersey sales from 2016 season to organizations working in oppressed communities. Um, and so that averages out to about one hundred thousand dollars a month for 10 months. And and a quote. So he mentioned that and he really is keeping good on that pledge or that promise because um, 
Appetite for Change actually had an opportunity to uh, be a recipient of those found of those funds. Oh, cool. Um, and specifically, again, I uh, bring attention to his website, Kaepernick7.com. So if you want to go there and visit, you will be able to see um, by clicking on the for the month of December where those donations are going to. So not only is he you know showing that you know uh he's being very transparent about the foundation and you know anyone that visits the site can see that where is this money going to well our neighborhood minneapolis appetite for change twenty five thousand dollars in the month of december and it gives a breakdown of what uh each the donation specifically pays for five thousand and just as an example and one i really appreciate five thousand dollars to furnish the addition of one new urban farm plot in the 2017 growing season increasing the amount of produce grown by approximately 1,000 pounds so he is one appetite for change is getting that national recognition if you would and uh, attention is really brought to that organization and they're getting the the, the donations needed uh, for their support and to continue on with such a great job that they're doing over there um, and you know helping children to understand not only about business but how to grow things for the for themselves nice. and on their own man it's been a awesome time uh gosh it's been i feel like we've been talking for hours i mean i know it's been a just an hour or barely an hour or whatever but um it's been great having you here james it's been fun um i look forward to having you again <laughs> and we will definitely be talking about charcuta what, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh man so when you um when we do that i hope that uh, you will be open to you know photos and so forth because you know i i'm a photo person yes i know. know i follow you exactly. <laughs> yeah i see them all and i'm like oh man where'd you get this from where was this one at <laughs> so folks out there thank you all so much uh for listening today um you know next week i look forward to talking about uh it's a place still in saint paul but it's called neighborhood cafe and i hope i did we you know, I think I may have talked about it before. Maybe last week with my nephew. I don't think I can shed en- enough light on it. I need to talk about it some more. <laughs> but there'll be other restaurants that I'll talk about as well. Um, because it's just interesting that I'll have more, I don't know, <laughs> things to talk about, about food. But uh, again, uh, as I always want to close up my show, I... Please remember not to let anyone tell you what kind of foodie you are because it really is all about the food. Until next time, people, peace and blessings.